You're listening to Protect It All, where Aaron Crow expands the conversation beyond just OT, delving into the interconnected worlds of IT and OT cybersecurity. Get ready for essential strategies and insights. Here's your host, Aaron Crow. Good morning, good afternoon. Thank you for joining the, the podcast, James. Thank you for being here. I know it's afternoon for you. It's morning for me here in Texas and the States. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and, and a little bit about uh, uh, the company that you work for as well. Lovely. Well, Aaron, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here as well. And uh, yeah, seeing a, a podcast with all this, uh, this proper podcast tech is, uh, is new to me, you know. Uh, we definitely need to step our game up a little bit. But uh, yeah, so I'm James Morris. I work for a company called NDK Cyber. So for the last 10 or 15 years or so, we've been doing uh, cybersecurity recruitment as a, as a market. That's our bread and butter. That's what we focused on. And we've been lucky enough for that to take us uh, around the world. So my accent, you can probably tell just outside London, we're UK. Um, about five years ago, we uh, we started working more US centric based roles. And then that sort of trampolined us into places like Australia, Singapore, uh, Israel, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, cybersecurity, like I said, has always been our, our bread and butter there. And then more recently, it's in the last sort of two years or so, this real transition seems to be happening where we're going from um, yeah, we'd like a cybersecurity engineer with a bit of OT security experience. That'd be nice. And now we're seeing the more OT security engineer in their own right coming through, build out of separate teams. The companies in that space have risen. So it's a real transition we've spotted at the moment and an area we're doing an increasing amount of work in. So, yeah, to, uh, to be talking to you today, I'm, uh, I'm excited to get into it. Well, that, that's exciting to hear, uh, you know, coming from my background and, and all the, you know, as long as I've been in this industry and, and the conversations, both from a from an asset owner, you know, wearing the hard hats and being being the asset owner, trying to get people and trying to justify resources to, to working at a big four consulting firm and, you know, being, you know, ha bringing resources and always trying to justify that budget. It's good to see that, that people are starting to get it. They're starting to want to hire those dedicated OT resources. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about what, is that, what does that look like in, in a world? Like what, what types of, how many are they looking for? Are they building out teams? You mentioned some, some, some folks are building out teams. Are these big companies, these small companies, is it a little bit of everything? Yeah, it's, it's across the board, which is, which is the newer thing, I think. I think we've always had energy and utilities seem to be a little bit further down the line, a bit more further ahead, maybe. Maybe that's driven through budget, through funding, through regulation. So they've always had those teams there. But now we're seeing your, your big brands in the space pop up, you know, your vendors or your service providers, and also your asset owners as well, bringing in their own dedicated teams. And they could be engineers, they could be architects, but also people with really niche specific skills in uh, OT, red teaming, OT, blue teaming, really specific down uh, to the wire, no pun intended, uh, when it comes to the <laughs> Sorry, when it comes to those skills. So that's a real big transition we're seeing as well. But then also you're having your more um, civil engineering type organizations building out their own dedicated practices and saying, you know what, let's not maybe get another third party into the ROT security side of things. Let's develop a practice internally where we can do that. Um, and then I think there's also the more traditional names in the cybersecurity space of consulting and consulting services are saying, look, we offer MDR, we offer incident response, red teaming we're getting some requests coming through for the OT set of things. Our clients are asking for these OT security expertise. Why don't we offer that as well? So I think it's really good because it's creating a bit of competition in that space, but also raising awareness whilst doing so, shining more of a light on things. Even this podcast now, yeah, we're doing here. This is sort of hopefully bringing more attention to the space, which is then maybe helping some of the challenges you touched on just a moment ago with when it comes to getting the budget or the buy-in to, to secure headcount. 
it helped this sort of thing in my view anyway certainly helps bring light to that yeah. if you like yeah i mean the more the more that we see i mean every week it seems like there's a new attack you know we we've mm. been we've been used to seeing it in the it space on the you know the commercial side on your web servers <clears throat> and your exchange servers or, or whatever but now we're seeing more and more and more spaces being hit on the ot side you know in in wastewater and you know manufacturing mm. and rail and all these different places and from colonial pipeline to the the recent one in in, in uh, what philadelphia or pennsylvania where the the wastewater mm. was hit um you know there's there's it's just more and more and and you know one of the things i've always said with with ot you know, we, we talk OT cyber and cybersecurity, and, and that's a really niche thing and red teaming and all that kind of stuff. But it really also comes back to, you know, having an understanding. A lot of the incidents aren't necessarily China hacking an environment. It's not, you know, some nation state that's going after it. Sometimes it's just a mis misconfiguration. Sometimes it's Bob, you know, put in the wrong configuration because he's not skilled to know networking and firewalls and routers and, and how all this stuff ties together. So a lot of those those roles and I've seen I was on a call with a client yesterday and they're like, yeah, we're hiring an OT architect because before we've been using our IT people um, to, to try to architect these OT things and they don't really understand the OT side of things. And we use these not OT people, but engineers and, and control systems people that are also really good. But again, there's this gray area in the middle that nobody really owns or understands. And, and so they've, they've been, they've seen struggles with it. And, and I've seen that for 15 plus years of you need somebody in that middle space that kind of understands a little bit on the IT side and a little bit on the OT side and can kind of, you know, bridge that gap in the middle um, to, to bring it together. Cause it's, it's similar technologies, but it's different skill sets. So uh, a lot of the attacks that we see, a lot, a lot of the misconfigurations, a lot of the architectures that we see are, are, are that way because nobody that knew any, the right things were standing there saying, yeah, that's not the best way to do that. Why don't we do it this way? Because if we do it this way, then you don't get this, this, and this, right? Exactly that. Exactly that. That seems to be a topic of, of conversation in almost everybody we speak to in their organisation. As they and it's natural growing pains, right? You know, we're going through maturity here. It's not like a there is one blueprint that fits absolutely everybody. You must do it this way. Um, but I think uh, I was going to ask you this in from from your point of view. Is it like a is this all better housed under the CISO, for example? We see a few organisations bringing that in, or is it more with the, the plant guys guys and girls or is it is there a need for maybe a new division of both of call it i don't know the the, the cyber ot excellence sure. center in organizations to, to to bridge that gap i not, not you know, sure where that sits. I, really. I've, I've seen it in a lot of different ways. I've seen it be completely operational, where it's it's you know the plan or the or the, the manufacturing facility or whatever. So it's an operational focus really on the OT side. You know when when I started at the at the power utility, that's where we were. We we lived in the business. So so I stood up this organization. My boss you know was you know the director over over this organization. We reported up through operations. Um, but we had kind of a dotted line over to, you know, the IT side, the CISO. Um, so we were kind of getting some direction from them, but we reported up to the business. And somewhere along the way, towards the end, before I left, we actually moved over to the business side. So we moved directly underneath the CISO. And I think we lost some things when we did that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it was because reported to them. I think it was because we got outside of the business. I think that was one of the things that helped us the most. So that being said, as long I think as there's still that dotted line one way or the other, um, I think it's important to remember the OT, it's like, 
it's like the the tail wag and the dog, right? It's it's the IT organization that thinks there is their reason, you know, their justification is the reason for the business, but the business is the reason that IT exists. Like if if the plant doesn't run, there's no reason yeah. to have an OT person or an IT person or any of the technology that we're talking about because we're not making money, we're not doing those things, the business it crumbles, right? So we've got to remember that business focus and that works for anything. It's IT, OT, whatever, right? It's it's really that focus. But when we were in the business, I was directly part of control system upgrades and, and talking with plant owners and plant managers and they were my customers. So when I moved over to the IT side, the IT CISO was my customer where I wasn't listening necessarily to the business. Not that I wasn't listening, but my direct response had to be from the, the business side. And, and I, I saw that as a struggle. So I think it, it's a, it's a delicate balance to understand and put it right. Um, to, but to make sure you have the right seat at the table and you remember who your customers are. Yeah. And it, it seems sometimes that maybe this is more anecdotal than I haven't got the hard data in front of me, but it seems like IT is the, the, the favorite child sometimes. Enterprise is the favorite child. They get all the toys, all the budgets, all the gizmos. And then OT is sometimes changing, but sometimes it left as an afterthought or, or struggles to get that buy-in for, for budget and things. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's strange because, like you say, without the, the manufacturing plant in this scenario or the, or the power plant yep. in the energy space, there wouldn't be need for that. So it's... <laughs> I get, where does that, where does that come from? I don't know. Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, a, it's an afterthought, you know, we're OT's like 20 years behind where it is. And, and, and going back to exactly the scenario I was just in, talking about, right. Is I had a team and we supported 40 different power plants across the state of Texas. Um, and I had a team of six and that was a, a mixture of, wow. you know, and, and then we had a few consultants, but, um, for the most part, it was, it was, a, it was a very, very small team and we supported everything from the, you know, at the site down. So the tech stack, the entire tech stack. So that was VMware and switching and routing and, and firewalls and, and the servers and, and everything in between. We supported all of that. Whereas my counterparts on the IT side, they had a dedicated networking team with 10 people and, you know, a dedicated firewall team and a dedicated server team and a dedicated applications team and a dedicated Splunk team. And, a, you know, they had these, they had hundreds of people supporting and they were, they were specialized. They were specialized firewall people and they were specialized networking yeah. people. Whereas my, my team, again, I had a very small team and we had to do it all. Um, so we, we had to be, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. We, there's no way we could be experts in all of those things. We had to be good enough to support it, but there's no way that I'm going to have the maturity in a firewall pro manufacturer or any of those, those technologies as a dedicated team. Cause I'm doing 15 other things during the day. And, and I see that a lot in OT is you, you've got multi-skilled people. They're very intelligent. They're very capable, but you know, I, I take the control system engineer whose job is to make sure the plant is running. And I also say, Hey, you you can speak IP. You understand what a switch is. So now you're also the OT guy, but you just tack on those, those, those requirements to the end of his job description. But the primary job is to make sure the plant's running. So when it comes to patching or, 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 you know, maintaining or upkeep or any of that type of stuff, if it's not directly impacting the plant running, it gets dropped to the list. Not because he doesn't want to do it, not because he doesn't think it's not valuable. It's just because there's only so many hours in a day and he's got basically two jobs. Um, and the main job yeah. is to keep the plant running, right? So, so the other things just kind of end up falling off the off the plate because there's just not enough days in the hour, in the hours in the day, um, to to get it all done. 
it, and it's, it seems a little backwards because it's those, those two roles you mentioned there. Okay, you might look on the outside and say oh, two roles, right. but they're two really critical roles. Yeah. It's not like one isn't like a oh, maybe it's okay. You know, it's it, they need they need to happen, yeah. and not just because you know we might get breached and lose some money, but there's you take that into high speed rail or something, and there's the serious consequences if that breach happens yeah. and it goes seriously wrong. And so there's a few like schools of thoughts out there that we've, we've spoken to people around in terms of getting that budget and getting that buy-in maybe from CISO or board or wherever mm-hmm. it might be. And, and some sort of believe in a more um, trying to put value on it. Some believe in a more fear, uncertainty, doubt type approach, maybe a combination of the two. I, I know you guys run a, a calculator, don't you? Mm-hmm. On um, sort of in, impact and such. So uh, I don't know if you've, have you seen any sort of particularly effective ways of, of getting that budget and buy-in? You know, it's it's hard, um, you know, come, again, coming from consulting world, uh, there was a lot of the FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right? Um, the sky's falling, China's going to attack. Um, you get a lot of, um, you know, my, my counterpart or, or, you know, another competitor or somebody else was hit. You know, the things that are in the news, um, I've seen things where, you know, incidents happen and that, that causes a response. Um, you get a board that's, that's really anxious about it. Obviously, power utility is, is more advanced than others because, in the, at least in the States, because of regulation, because they have to be. Um, there's, there's regulation that there's, there's huge fines and penalties if you aren't, you know, if you don't at least meet this, this baseline. Um, so I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a carrot and stick uh, opportunity there, and and you know I have a lot of conversations, and I go to you know uh, Congress and talk with senators and congressmen and and legislators, and you know have these types of conversations of w- what's the right process, um, because I don't think it's just you know beat people over the head with a stick and fine everybody, because that's not a good incentive, because then they're then you do just enough to not get hit, right? Um, on the flip side, you know. There, there's also the, the, the carrot. Um, you know, you look at, you know, incentivizing. Like if you if you reward uh, entities for doing the right thing, but then on the flip side, then they don't have to. Yeah, I can do that because I want to, but if they don't have a forward-thinking leader or they're scraping by and they can, you know, they're, they're barely keeping the lights on or whatever the scenario may be, it's a, it's a hard. So there's got to, just like I talked about with the, you know, wh- which side of the business do I report to, it's always kind of a, a delicate balance. But I really think it's around speaking the language and being able to translate it. And I think it's it's a lot of things that you see in, in cyber products a lot and sales people in general. Um, you know, they, they, they try to do whatever they think is going to move the money, the FUD or, or whatever they think is going to scare somebody into buying something. But I think the bigger way to do this is to translate into business risk. Because a CEO, a CFO, the board, they don't really care about the cyber tools. They don't care about the widgets. They don't care about the blinky lights as much. They, they care about how do I translate this into ROI? How do I translate this into reducing my risk? What is the risk to my business? What is this going to mean if these scenarios happen? And, and what I think happens a lot of the time is those risks are either, either uh, ballooned up, they're, they're made to be bigger than they actually are, or they're not clearly identified and they're, they're swept under the rug because they're, they don't understand the true risk that they're at. Because I think most people and most entities don't want to just have these you know, blare, blaring risks out there to their business. I think the reason they're there is because they didn't really understand 
how risky they were or somebody thought that they weren't a problem or were just ignorant to it for whatever reason because it wasn't communicated chain of command whatever that may be, may look like um, but there's there's just a lot of unknowns out there I, I think if people were more aware of what they had and what those risks really were and I'm not talking about hey you've got Windows XP like so what what does that mean like is it a risk to my business or not because just having XP in an OT environment is not a risk necessarily um, sometimes it's more risky to patch and update than it is to, to leave it like it is. Um, but knowing that and having a really good understanding of that, and that comes back to where you talked about it, where we really kicked this off with, is having the right skill set people, those RT architects, those dedicated OT people that know that. Because that control system engineer doesn't realize how bad it is to have a hub instead of a switch and what the implications of that is, right? I'm, I'm being very general, generalistic, right? Obviously, many of them do, but some may not, um, or they may not understand yeah. how risky it is to have a firewall be configured in a certain way or, you know, have multiple things on a single domain or, or any number of risks and, and vulnerabilities that you may have because that's not their skill set. It's not their expertise. So bringing in the right people to be able to say, oh, wait, by the way, I've seen that over here. That's a really big problem. And we, if we do it that way, these are the risks that we're inheriting, we're bringing into our business, and you don't want those risks. We can do it over here. It doesn't add complexity. It just makes it more secure or better, you know, more reliable. Take the secure word out. Just make it more reliable. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... It from what we gather and everybody we speak to and we speak to people all day in this world and that that seems to be the general sort of school of thought and then there's a sort of an argument for well okay the board have asked me how likely we're going to be attacked which is a really difficult question to answer i mean how do you put a figure on that how do you quantify that but then it's a case of going okay well let's make ourselves less of a target right. less of an easy target and then if we are let's control as much as we can is the message that we we seem to be getting on a daily basis which seems to go in the right direction. Correct me if I am wrong there, by all means. Well, well, and the other problem with that is, is you know, what happens if you don't? So did I waste my money if, I, if we don't get attacked? And, and did we not get attacked because of the work that we did? If we hadn't done anything, would we have gotten attacked? Like, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no-win conversation to have. It's almost like, you know, I use this analogy a lot. It's like, you buy a brand new car, right? They tell you to change your oil every X number of miles. What, depending on the car, depends on the number of miles. But used to, it used to be every 3,000 miles back in, you know, the 90s and the older cars, right? You're supposed to change your, your oil every 3,000 miles. What if you never did? You know, there, there's probably somebody running around that never changed their oil and drove to, you know, 100,000 miles and like, well, y'all are idiots because I've never changed my oil <laughs> and it's perfectly yeah. fine. And, you know, they're fine until it breaks, Right. It's like, well, it's yeah. never happened to me, so you guys are morons until it breaks. And then your, your motor is shot, and you've got to replace the whole car, or you scrap the car, or whatever the thing is. It's like you've, you haven't been attacked yet. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Given a long enough period of time, some, it's going to happen. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a nation state coming in, because I hear that a lot as well. It's like, well, we're just a small xyz manufacturing company like why would anybody want to attack us like it's not about that it's about opportunity um it's because your device showed up on shodan it's because you know somebody just happened to be around and and drive by and see that you had a wi-fi that was open and they could get onto. it's it's really because of boredom sometimes it's because of and and a lot of these are, are ransomware right they don't they don't care who you are that if they can get on, they're going to put ransomware on it because more than likely you or the insurance is going to pay. Um, and, and they don't really care who you are. They, they're not trying to go after necessarily 3M or, or you know, 
mm-hmm. big companies or GM, they're, they're just going after whoever they can get onto because it's, it's just a matter of it's available. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's just sort of a copy and paste mm-hmm. ransomware as a service. However you want to sort of package it up or term it, it it's no longer the uh, the super bad guys in the uh, in the hoodies in in the dark rooms <laughs> and the anonymous masks or, or maybe not anonymous that's the wrong people right. to use but uh, you, you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's no longer the super villains maybe right. that are have availability to this sort of stuff yeah. but um, I, I think generally speaking the, the, the buy-in seems to be getting there the, the, the industries that were maybe a little bit behind seem to be sort of catching up and, and slowly getting there which I guess then brings us on to the next problem of okay cool we've got buy-in go ahead Aaron, hire a load of people. Right. Great. Now we've got a bit of a, a skill shortage element to this as well. Yeah. But I think from my point of view anyway, and you might have a completely different take on this, but we could learn a lot of lessons I think that we've learned from IT in general or cybersecurity over the last, certainly since I've been doing it, last 10 years yeah. or so. You know, those transferable skills, those the cyber skill shortage. And I believe, yes, there is a bit of a shortage for the very specific roles that you need the the, uh, the experience for mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of roles out there that we can take from maybe other skill sets that maybe don't we don't need a cybersecurity analyst of five years experience in a dedicated sock to be able to take from right. in the OT world we might be able to look at that person who, who has you know, unfortunately been lumbered with you've got to keep the plant running and you've got to do the security on the way we've given you a, a SAN certification fantastic but that person there although they're not called a cybersecurity architect I bet you they're doing a fair amount of that job yep. to be able to then transfer into. Yeah. So, but that's, that's my sort of school of thought on this of like, we don't necessarily need this person to be called a cybersecurity architect in the OT space to move over. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, so I've, I've stood up multiple teams. I, I did it at a big four. I did it at, at a small, you know, uh, not small, but you know, power utility, um, as, as an asset owner. And, and when I did that the first time it was, there weren't, there was no such thing as OT. Like it was a term that didn't even exist when I, when we started this, right? Um, so nobody had that skill set. So it's not like I could put, you know, go try to find somebody because they didn't exist. I didn't even have that title. Like I was I was an IT person, and and yes, I'd worked in OT and I'd done this stuff, but again, that that term didn't exist yet. So so when I when I the first two people I hired were were IT people, and they'd never been in OT. One of them came from a law firm, and another one came from like a a, a, a publishing company. Um, and and oh, it wow. was just their skill sets that I was looking for. It was troubleshooting. It was networking. It was you know uh, coding things like that. Firewalls, that kind of thing. I, I taught them that. So they came on. They started the company. Um, they went through orientation, and then they showed up at a power plant. I gave them a hard hat and steel toe boots, and they were there for six months at working power plant outages with me. Right. And at the end of that, they yes. were OT people. Um, they weren't when yeah. they started. They'd never seen a power plant before. But at the end of it, they had that. <laughs> Um, and then later on, as I expanded my team, I grabbed one of the, the control system engineer guys, the guys that had, he'd been at the company for 30 years. Um, he'd always been at a power plant. He'd always been, you know, an operator and, and he knew every, every way about the plant and had a lot of different roles in the different, you know, uh, environments. Um, and, and so he brought that, that, intr- that, that intrinsic OT knowledge um, again, not, not OT cybersecurity, but actually how the systems work, why they work, what are they doing, why are they doing it, why is it done this way, right? He brought that in, and he, it was a great, just different perspective to be in the room. Like I had, I had, I was kind of that middleman. I had a little bit of the OT knowledge and, and, and you know, and the IT knowledge as well. 
the people I hired were, were basically IT people and, and zero OT knowledge. And then he was zero IT knowledge and all, you know, uh, OT knowledge, right? So having that mix in the, in the room when we're talking about how we're going to ap- approach a, a problem or we're going to implement a solution or, or we're looking for solutions to architect and we're looking at vendors that are coming in, like he was able to ask questions that my, the other guys weren't able to, un- they didn't ever think to ask these questions of a vendor that's coming in, right? Because they're, they're the blinky lights and, you know, Palo Alto or firewalls or Splunk or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but how do you do that here? And, and he would ask unique questions. So, so I see there's a way, and, and skills gap is true. You know, some people say there's not. I, I can't imagine how you could ima- even possibly say there's not a skills gap. I, I see it every single day. Um, and some of that is not because of lack of knowledge. Uh, some of that, like I already said, is because, you know, I, I, this person, me or you or whomever it is, maybe they have the knowledge or the capability but they don't have the, the freedom to do it because they have all these other tasks on their, on their plate. If you took that person out of the role they're in and put them in a dedicated OT role where they didn't have the other things to worry about, then they'd be really great at the job. Um, but you've got to give them the, the opportunity. Um, in fact, one of the plants that I, we had a, a, one of the plants actually hired a local OT person to be on site and actually help. And this was early on. This was, I don't know, 2010, something like that. Um, and they hired him specifically to be the OT engineer, right? Handle the firewall stuff, all the technology stuff, all that kind of stuff. Well, because he had all the OT knowledge as well, they naturally started giving him normal control system stuff to work on. So then all of the other tasks started falling off his plate because he was focused on keeping the plant running because they kept, they needed an extra person. They weren't able to hire somebody. So they started putting new things on his plate because he was smart. He could do it. He was very capable. Um, but because they were putting these non OT cyber focused things on his, on his plate, the other things were falling off the plate. Right. Um, so it, it really goes down to, it's not just about skills. It's about hiring people, but also giving them that, that, you know, that barrier and protection, not to, pr- not to stop them cause you don't want them to do things, but really to protect them so they can focus on the things that you want them focusing on. It's like, you know, you take your car to the mechanic, you know, you don't want him, your air conditioner's broken. You don't want him changing your tires. Like, okay, yeah, focus, <laughs> fix the air conditioner first. Like, that's what I want you to do first. Like the other things we'll talk about yeah. later, but get that going first. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. In fairness, the point you made there about hiring the team, and if you're blessed with the budget to hire a team and yeah. you have multiple headcount, bringing people from both sides of the uh, of the coin in, I think that could be a, a really good point for people to take on and not go like, okay, I need to hire four uh, OT cybersecurity engineers right. here. Why don't I hire two and two or, or three and one yep. or something like that? Because then you're doing two years down the line, you've got a team that completely understand both parts of the both sides of the coin. And then the next organization or who, wherever they go next to wherever, they'll have that. So the industry benefits that as a whole. And it makes hiring easier because you don't have to focus on hiring five years OT cybersecurity experience, for example. Well, and there's, there's just never, not enough of them yeah. out there that have the experience that you're looking for. There's, mm. you know, I'm a unicorn. And, and the reason I'm a unicorn is because I'm the one that's been sitting in both seats. And there aren't – they're just – OT hasn't been around that long. Not enough people have been hiring it. Not enough companies have had it. There's, so there's, there's a very small group of people that have the experience that you're looking for. So know that going in. Um, and unless you're willing to pay huge amounts of money to, to pull them out of someplace they're at, because most of those people are not struggling to find a job. Um, so they probably already have a job. So if you're going to get them to leave a job they're already in, 
you're going to have to make it worth their while, right? So, so another way to do that instead of you know hiring me um, is is to hire you know again hire somebody on the left side and somebody on the right side, knowing that he's going to be weak in these things and he's going to be weak in these things, but they're they're yin and yang. They're strong where the other is weak. And they're going to naturally be able to, hey, as they're wa- working together, as they're looking over each other's shoulder, they're naturally going to get better at all of those things. Does that mean that the OT guy is going to be your an expert firewall person? No, you don't need him to be. But he'll get better at it. And he'll ask the right questions. And, and you don't need him to be that skill set. You need him to ask the questions of the guy that is the firewall guy so that the firewall guy doesn't make assumptions in the OT space that's going to break stuff. Like that's, that's the perfect balance. And it's, and it's not even necessarily hiring. It's also just putting the right people at the table, you know, bringing those control system people in, bringing the, the IT firewall team in, bringing the compliance or whoever those groups are, putting them at the table and letting them have those conversations. But the problem that I've seen in a lot of these spaces is OT is understaffed and always control system people, the plant folks are just understaffed and, they don't have time to dedicate on any of this. So they just do it. They trust their vendors. They look at their vendor and they say, hey, they're going to take care of it. And they don't really ask questions. Um, so they end up paying more sometimes. They end up getting solutions that are not, um, you know, uh, right for what they need. Um, and, and they don't ha- they don't know what questions to ask because they don't trust the IT people, mainly because they haven't built that relationship. And, and uh, uh, one of my mentors a long time ago told me all business is the people business. So those relationships and building those connections and doing tabletops and, and more breaking bread, you know, going to the plant, taking them donuts, like building those relationships, get building that trust both, both ways. Um, you need to trust yeah. the, the plants and the, and the environments need to trust. The OT side needs to trust the IT side and vice versa. And that only starts with people. It's not the technology. It's not the, the organization. It's not the title that's going to get the trust. It's the people. It's, it's me and you, me, Aaron and James, having a conversation over a beer and, and us building some kind of relationship that I know James. And if I have a question, I know I can call him because I know him. I know you. I have a relationship with you. We've talked. We've, we've connected. We've, we've built something beyond just we both work for the same company, and I've, I've sent you an email <laughs> yeah. before, right? <laughs> No, I, I think you're, you're you're bang on there. We're, we're all people. We're all human beings at the end of the day. And I think uh, maybe the whole COVID thing opened that up a little bit more. Maybe it closed it a little bit down right. a bit more. But I think we're all much more interconnected now. There's no longer sort of a, a, the huge barriers there once was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. We, we speak to people, probably one person a week, that they're on either side of the, the house, the OT side or the, the enterprise side, IT side, and they've never met anybody on the other side of the house. Right. That they, they communicate to their boss who then shunts it over and they communicate that it's it's a really sort of and, and they point it out they say look we know it's disjointed but it's no one's real responsibility to get that sort of cohesiveness happening so it's sort of just lands where it where it does so perhaps we could uh we, we could work on that a little bit going forward i don't know yeah. uh, but on the um go on sorry no i was just gonna say i mean do field trips Take your IT people, take them to the plants, take them to the manufacturing environments, put them in the day of the life. Like if you're doing a big project on the OT side, bring in your IT people. They're going to have skill sets that you can use, even if they're not touching anything. Just put them in a room with the vendors and help them help you ask questions. When you're looking at the configuration, the vendor is saying you need to do it this way. Have your IT people in the room with that expertise to be able to say, yeah, that's not the best way to do this. Like, there's another way. Why can't we do it? At least just ask questions. Like, that level of, again, that doesn't mean you're giving them architecture. It doesn't mean they're controlling everything. But they they have this knowledge that you don't. 
use it and vice versa. Like the IT side shouldn't just be designing things in a bubble thinking they can push it down into OT and expect it to work. But if you start building those relationships and just inviting each other to the party, you're going to start building this trust and this understanding because we're both playing for the same team. We both have the same goal, yeah. right? We're, we're not, a, we're not opposition. We're both, play, <laughs> we have the same Jersey on your offense yeah, and I'm yeah. defense. Like that's, we've got to remember we're on the same team. We just happen to be in different sides of, of the ball for whatever reason, but we're on the same team. We both want to win the championship. <laughs> it, it's exactly it. And I think for me, it's, it's one of these things where it's not super time consuming really in the grand scheme of things. It's certainly not that expensive uh, to do. So it's, it's one of those sort of quick wins, low hanging fruit that you could maybe tackle first of all, and then look at the bigger picture after that. Right. Um, but I think on the, um, you mentioned there on the on the transferable skill side of things and bringing people in. I think that's a fantastic way to do it. But I think just throwing my two pence in is if you're going to do that, I think you need to sort of have that open mind to begin with. Yeah. Um, on years ago, we worked for an e-commerce company. They had an application security team, and they said, "Look, we'll we'll happily hire a, a more uh, C sharp developer style position to come in here." And uh, the truth of the matter is, I don't think they were fully bought into to having a non security person in the team. Right. So this hiring process went on for a few months, and then by the end of that process, it got to the point where there was projects that were critical that we said, "Look, we can't now take a transferable skills style person. We need a more experienced person in the seat." So there was a good three-month period there where there was sort of back and forth and budgets changed and chops and things like that which they do um, but i think if you're going to do that sort of thing genuinely have that open-mindedness to bringing in somebody who who has maybe a security mindset but just not the experience right. just yet would be my thought on that world yeah i agree 100 and, and a lot of this is just being open to doing this because you, again it's not like we're chunking you know uh, creating you know ot people a, a day a minute or, or, or you know they're, they're not just coming out of nowhere. So, so you're going to have to build some, um, some of that may be you buy, you know, you get, you know, an intern or somebody right out of college or something like that. And you create one, but they're not going to have the experience in anything. Um, but you know, or you can bring in somebody with a lot of it experience and teach them the OT stuff. Like I did put them at the plant, like the first six months of your life, all you're going to do is shadow that guy and whatever he wants you to do, you do. It's got nothing to do with what you've ever done in your life before. It's not IT related. It's not cybersecurity related. But you are going to understand everything about our plant. You know, you see this a lot of times in Undercover Boss or in a lot of these places where, where you roll around and you, you, you do the job of people to really understand it. Like we used to have this idea of, of you know, a plumber, you know, you don't become a master plumber until you work for a plumber for a certain amount of time. Like you have that apprenticeship. Right. There's there, there's a real loss um, in our in our work world where we we lost this apprenticeship. Right. And we think that people should just come in with all the skills. They should be a master before they show up. But we're not willing to pay those master prices. And there's just not enough masters in the world. So if, if there's not enough masters available and you, you don't have an unlimited budget, the only better other, only other thing you can do is start building them. Um, and, and that takes longer time. Um, and you have to be okay with bringing more junior people that don't have all the experience in at an earlier rate and having that open mind to, to doing it a different way. Um, but it can be very powerful if you, if you're open to it. Yeah, I think so. If you get it right, it, it works. Even if you don't fully get it right, I think there's merit in, um, if you know, four out of five people work, right. work out, I mean, that's a pretty good hit rate. Absolutely. There. Um, so it, it, it's not going to be perfect every time. And I guess, how do we... You, you mentioned there around there's, there's not sort of a, they're not coming out of nowhere, these people. Right. They're not, there's not sort of a, maybe a pipeline coming through. How, how do we bring more people into the, the OT security space in specific? 
you know, it's 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 the right companies looking to focus on it, and and which is exciting to hear that you have more and more folks that are reaching out looking for their those types of roles that's what it takes right is is it's a supply and demand thing right it's it's enough entities that are looking to invest in that space invest in the talent invest in in the you know if they're if they're not willing to spend money on on the technology then they don't need people to run the technology and design it it's like a it's a big loop so now that they're looking to actually focus and put time and effort there then now there, we'll start seeing more and more people coming in that space. So, you know, there are SANS courses. There are ways that you can get some experience. Um, and, and we'll start seeing more and more folks there. But um, there's just not, there's not that many people that have 10 plus years experience in OT because it just hasn't been a term that long. So um, you have to be willing to put the, put your money where your mouth is, right? And, and really focus on, you know, the, People, process, and technology. It's not just about a person. It's, it's, it's all of the things that go together to really take this thing to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the whole picture. Everybody talks about that. And you mentioned there around your uh, sounds do a course. There's, but there's, there's that, but there's also there's, there's a lot of free material out there. Oh, yeah. There's, there's huge communities, YouTube. Type OT security, ICS security into YouTube. There is communities and there's talks and there's, for me, it's one of those, if you're thinking about getting into this world, have a listen to those talks. Yeah. See if you line up with some of those areas. I don't know if you, you, you come across these and feel the same or oh, whether that's a, I mean, a, a, a you encourage. I, yeah. I go back to the, when I started in, in IT, right? I didn't have a lot of the skills. So I, I went and begged, borrowed, not stole, but, you know, got switches and, <laughs> and gear and, and, you know, kind of like the lab stuff I've got in the background here. Like I just started playing and tinkering. And then when there was an opportunity or a program or a project, I, I volunteered and, and I'd jump on, even if I was the junior guy, like I'd go from the senior on this side of the fence and, but I wanted to do that stuff. So I would take a, a, a pay cut or, you know, a, a demotion in title just so I could get that skill set. So, I mean, that's the reason why I did a lot of this stuff is, you know, you can buy a lot of this gear on eBay for next to nothing. It's very, very affordable. Um, and, and that, that translates. Um, there's, there's online ranges that you can, that you can be part of, um, that you don't even have to have the equipment. Um, so you can be part of that. You know, there's a lot of open source and, and the internet is amazing with YouTube. You know, it's one of the reasons why I, I do this podcast is because I want to expand, you know, people's understanding and and give them op, you know places that they can look to um you know my, there's there's look at beer isaac they've got a list of podcasts that are available specifically for ot there's a lot of us out there right and we're we all seem to have kind of the, like i said before we're all wearing the same jersey like we want to expand the knowledge i'm not just out there i'm not out here doing this podcast just so that everybody sees my face it's really just around getting the message out there right and and trying to pass on the, 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 the knowledge that I have as well as give people another perspective on how can we, how can we grow this thing? Cause it's really important. Like we need to be focusing in this OT space and we're behind the ball. Um, so let, let's continue to come together and realize we haven't got it all figured out and, and have conversations like this. Cause this is how you start. Oh, well, I didn't think about that. Or I'd never, I'd never seen it from that perspective before. Yeah, I think massively. And I don't know how if, how you feel about this, but I speak to a few people each week, and they have almost have they're not in the OT security space, or even maybe the cyber security space. Right. They've got half an interest in it, but and maybe that interest is something as simple as 
socially engineering into their maid's hotel room or something right. like that. You know, it's, it's that sort of stuff. Um, but there seems to be this sort of illusion of oh, cybersecurity. That's that's really technical, isn't it? That's, and, and then they, they go back into that sort of... Um, You've seen Mr. Robot mm-hmm. on uh, on Amazon, mm-hmm. very very sort of technical, tappy tappy, and there's coding, and it's it's all that sort of stuff. And I think that can sort of maybe paint the illusion that you have to be that way inclined. But there's all sorts of different roles in this space that don't necessarily need those hyper technical skills. Absolutely, and you know, I've got kids, and anytime I pull my lap, I mean, some of my job is that technical Mr. Robot type thing where there's like terminal window and coding and that kind of thing. But that's a very small of my job and part of that's because of the role that i'm in now but still even back when i was you know hands-on keyboard a lot more than i am now it still wasn't that all the time sometimes it's it's just having conversations sometimes it's just you know it's not all you know c sharp and and powershell and and hacking and and all that sometimes it's you know installing patches sometimes it's rebooting servers sometimes it's updating windows like sometimes it's looking at firewall logs like it's it doesn't have to be one thing um and a lot of this it also goes back to and this is a question for you as well um the i know for me when i hired that team i was just talking about like one of the guys that I hired was a friend of mine and has been, I was in his wedding when I was 18 um, and I'm not oh, wow. 18 anymore. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so when, I've known him and I, he worked for me before and I knew his skill set and I knew he would be good for the role. But the job description that HR put up was so technical and so specific. He looked at the job description. He's like, there's no way I can do that job. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm the one hiring. I'm unfortunately not the one that was able to write the job description. That's the job description they came up with. But I'm telling you, you are the perfect candidate for this role. And I had to convince him to even apply. And this is coming from his friend who would be his boss telling him (laughs) he's the right person for the job. And he still was hesitant to do it. So imagine how many job requirements and descriptions are out there that people are looking at. And they're like, well, I mean, I like all that stuff. And maybe I'm okay at some of it. But you know, expert in this and masters of cybersecurity and, and bachelors in this. And, you know, made it, you had to have a 4.0 GPA and you have to have 20 years. It's just like, I don't, nobody has all of those things or very few people have all of those things. So b- the way that job descriptions, do you feel that the way that job descriptions are written many times make people not even apply that maybe there's more people out there that do have the skill sets that would be good for the job, but they don't even think to apply or that uh, it's out of their league. 100 percent that that is thankfully it's um it's a sort of a slight snag that we've we've hit over the last 10 years or so that is is slowly changing and i think the best job descriptions or adverts or whatever you want to call them out there are those for me it's a it's a one pager right and it's at the top it's it's all it almost has a paragraph that reads something along the lines of are, are you a uh, an ot practitioner now looking to get into cybersecurity? have you socially enjoyed your way into a, a friend's hotel room when you've been on, on a bachelor party or something right. like that well you could be right for us then that's for the transferable skills right. sort of things or i've seen even job descriptions that read along the lines of look we'd love for you to have this 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 and this but we know that's not always possible what we're looking for is this and it almost brings like a human angle to it right. and so it, it reads really well really smoothly on the other end of the scale you've got your job descriptions that that list everything about the, the company on the first three pages and it's like oh, you're sort of almost lost by the time you, you've got like 13 values in front of you and then you, you get to the, the fourth page and then it's then it's the long list of requirements and things like that and i get why they happen and i think there's a slight disconnect and it's 
not to put blame on anybody here, but I think what happens is the the, the hiring manager say will say, look, I've been asked for my by four or five requirements for this role. Then that goes into the machine, and then there'll be um, HR will have the, their go, and then legal, and then uh, and then maybe internal talent will have their go on the job description. And out the other end, what you get is this sort of Frankenstein of right. what we're looking for, which is all accurate and all true and all valuable information, but it's got to be put at the right time. And I don't blame you know internal talent or HR because if you're in a company of yeah more than 500,000 people, you've got so many of these going on. There's no way you're going to be able to to sort of fine-tune each of those in time to get it out with deadlines. And, and often it's a case of, we've got approval to hire. Right. Let's get the adverts out. And it has to happen really quickly. So I think we're learning. Uh, but yeah, from my point of view, if you're, if you're advertising, you're looking for that sort of thing, and you can have that transferable skills edge, or you don't need everything on the spec, make that really apparent and be put it in real human language and you'll just get more applications. There's a whole sort of metric around men applying versus women applying. I think that, don't quote me on these stats here, but I think if a woman is only likely to apply if she meets 70% of the the skills on the job description where a man is like 50% or something like that. So they're still pretty low numbers. Uh, But if we can just make it more inclusive and you take away that must have, must have, must have, I think I think we'll see a lot more applications uh, going in and going out, and uh, yeah, hopefully that will help the uh, the whole machine a little bit more. Yeah, I, I remember um, this is a, a kind of peeling the banana back of of telling of of, of my past, and I remember being on a job uh, interview, um, and I was super anxious. It was a job. It was like for I don't remember uh, Microsoft or somebody. I don't remember. It was a super technical job. And I was really good at it. I was really good at that thing. What Firewalls, I don't remember what the job was. That's not the thing that actually stands out. I remember I was anxious about it. I was super nervous. I was on this call, and I'd already had two other calls. And it was like the, the HR conversation, which is usually just a, a personality type thing. And then I had an interview with the manager, which that went really well. And then they passed me to their technical person. And that technical thing, I, I think I... I was like 10 minutes in and they asked me a question that I had no idea the answer to. And I panicked and I, I hung up the phone. Oh no. I, I, I panicked. I don't know what happened. I just panicked and I hung up and they called me right back and I didn't answer it. And I just ignored them from that point on. I don't know why I did that. Like I'd aced the other two interviews and, and, and it was one question that came up. And again, I have no idea what it was. This was, probably 20 plus years ago. Right. Um, but it just stands out to me because that was just like a pivotal moment to me. Cause I, I remember looking back and being like, like, why did I do that? Why did I panic? Like, you know, what was the worst thing that could happen if I, if I didn't get that question, right? Like I didn't even give them the opportunity to give me a chance because I just said, I couldn't answer that question. So obviously they're not going to want me, um, because that I wasn't good enough to answer it. So it, that that and that was after I'd already gotten the first two interviews. Like I was already in the door, um, and so it just goes to show the numbers you said. Like you know, if if when I'm looking at a job description, if I don't have all the things, all the boxes, you know, all the required. You look at the requirements, and it's like masters and ba- you know bachelors of this and you know PhD of that and these certifications, and they list like every possible thing of their wish list, but they put it in the requirements section, not in a, hey, this would be nice, but even putting it in the nice to have can be overwhelming. Like, well, I don't have any of those things, but maybe they're the right person. (laughs) 
I, I agree. I agree. And I think if, in my book, if you are proactively looking for something, whether you're out of a job or you're in a job and you just want to change up, if you meet half of that job description, maybe even a third of it, the worst that's going to happen is you'll throw your hat in the ring. A lot of this stuff now is one click apply type thing. Right. Throw your hat in the ring. And the worst case scenario, if it's to a company like myself, we'll give you a call anyway, because although you might not be right for this one, there's something else. Sure. Or if it's through a company direct, they'll give you a call or an email or something and it might work. Right. But yeah, interviews, going back to your, your hang up story. I've always said this, you know, we, we prep people for interviews all day long and it's a case of, they are one of the most unnatural things yeah. you can ever encounter. You're meeting either face-to-face -face or on Zoom or even the phone. You're meeting people you've never met before. You've, you've had little to no information about them, maybe. They're going to ask you super invasive questions about your personality, your skill sets. You've got to then uh, sort of, in your mind, go, oh, I've got to impress it, especially if you really want that job. Yeah. You've got to impress, and you, you get no immediate feedback, so you've got no idea how you're doing. They are so unnatural. Uh, and I think there's a bit of a trend now, rightly or wrongly, to interview people just to sort of see the parameters of their technical skill set. So you might have uh, 10 questions, and we're only expecting you to get five right. right. But if you get 10 right, well, you've blown us away. Right. So you could come up the other end of that call and think, that was horrible, that was a complete mauling. But you've actually smashed it. Right. So it's, 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 so, it's so weird, and we, we try and coach people on that. And uh, if you don't know something, ultimately just put your hands up and just say, I'm not too sure. Don't uh, hang up the and, phone. And revisit later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hang up the phone. That's, that's one way to do it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a weird one. <laughs> so what is another way that you can, A, find the right people? I, I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, this OT space and, and you know, from, from the companies looking for folks, from, from people that are looking to get into it, maybe they've, they've gotten some. Like, what, what, what advice are you, are you giving folks that are, that are really wanting to get into this OT space? And as far as, you know, f helping them find the right role, maybe they don't have the experience. Maybe they have experience in other things that translate well. Like, how do you help them as far as narrowing down what they want to do in this, this OT thing and, and, and what kind of roles and companies and, and positions they're looking for or should be? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a few different sort of schools of thoughts on this, and there's many ways to skin a cat. But I think ultimately what it boils down to is doing those those free activities we talked about there, the YouTube, the Twitters, the whatever platform you're using here, just to get sort of an inkling of what you might be passionate about. And then once you've found that out, and so whether you want to go super technical or whether you want to write policies on OT security, find out what it is that you like. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about, okay, cool. So we don't necessarily now need to go and book onto a, a master's in, in OT cybersecurity, uh, but we can do other things. We can maybe go, okay, let's network with people like yourself. Right. LinkedIn is a largely free tool. Uh, there's communities out there that you can search up people on. Connect with people, and more often than not, they're going to give you that help. I've never asked for help on somebody on LinkedIn and they've said, please leave me alone. They might have politely said, you know, not now, but, you know, maybe next quarter or something. Sure. Um, but there's people out there that will help, will share knowledge. They'll happily give up their time to give their guidance. And then, yeah, when it comes to, to applying for those vacancies, those roles out there, I think writing the resume in a way of it being quite digestible, but also highlighting the work you have done in the OT security realm. And even going back to that job description piece you mentioned of, look, my opening paragraph might be, I haven't got any experience in OT cybersecurity, but what I have done is, and then it's watched all the YouTube series there is to watch on this. Sure. It's uh, attended free training. Uh, you might spend, I don't know, as much as 
$500, for example, on a on an online training course just to better that or attending conferences. There, there's so many areas and ways that you can do that and then bringing those into the forefront of this is why I think I'll be good for this role. Yeah. And if that company then is a genuinely open to transferable skills, then I think there's a, there's a door opening there for sure. That's awesome. How, how many... Mm of these new opportunities when you, when you're having customers, as far as like businesses, companies coming, how many of them are, are being more open to uh, writing those job descriptions better and being open to, you know, training people and not having that perfect, you know, unicorn OT cybersecurity person that has all the experience in the world versus being able to build and, and, and train people that, that have the desire and, and some of the, 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 the raw skills needed just need to be kind of honed and tuned. I'd say before a lot of the organizations before we speak to them, sure. they've sort of gone maybe a sort of direct advertising route. And then they said, look, we're not getting the people we want. And then we can have that call with them and very sort of in a human way, just put it as well, you're asking for quite a lot. That Venn diagram of crossover is really small what you're after, yeah. which is probably why that person exists, but it's got to be right for them as well. They've got to be unhappy where they are, or this is going to be really attractive or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think a lot more organizations are now opening up to, uh, okay, cool. We're speaking to someone like yourself and there's others that do it. It's not just me, but have the finger on the pulse of the market and are able to say, well, what about if you just dropped one of those skills areas and we can work on that right. and then we can you know, get you more people, which is more pipeline and more choice. Um, and then the hire itself is quicker rather than sort of just waiting for that right person, which might be six months. The business is then pretty livid that you haven't got your person in your seat uh, and so on and so forth. So I think it's definitely getting there. And I think it's getting there quicker than maybe general cybersecurity did. I'm going back eight, 10 years now or so when we were asking for the unicorn or we were asking for five years cloud experience when cloud hasn't even out yet and all that sort of stuff. You know, the, the, the classic job descriptions we used to see and, yeah. it's, and it's all for like 50K or something. Right. <laughs> so, um it's, it's definitely seems to be catching on quicker than in, in general cyber. So maybe that's a lesson we learn as an industry overall. Yeah. And, and it's a, a common phrase that goes around in like entrepreneurship. It's, it's, you know, hire slow, fire quick, right? So you want to take a lot of time making sure you're getting the right people. You have an understanding and that doesn't necessarily mean a bunch of time interviewing different people. Cause in my experience, usually many times the first couple of folks that you hire or, or you interview may be the best people in, uh, available, right? Um, but secondly, it's about making sure you're really clear. So part of that slowness is making sure you're clear on what you need and what you're open to. Um, and then once you get them in there, you know, making sure, you know, I've, I've had a couple of um, entities that have, you know, gotten rid of folks, not because they weren't great at what they needed and, and gotten rid of isn't even not necessarily they exited from the company. It was just like, this isn't the right role for you. Like, yes, we brought you in here for this, but you're really good at this. Let's move you over here. So that way you're, you're showing up where you're best at and let's find somebody else that can do this other thing that we need. Cause you know, we need somebody washing the dishes and you, you really want to, you know, clean the, clean the windows. Well, let's, let's let you clean the windows and let's find somebody else to do the dishes. It's exactly that. Just to put a, a small story on it, it's a case of there's a company we work for that have a, a function that's very customer facing, uh, but it's quite a technical role as well. And they've have these sort of three pillars of got to be great with customers, got to have a technical uh, know-how piece, but also if they had any sort of experience in a sales capacity with billable numbers. That'd be fantastic. Sure. Now, that's a pretty niche area in the middle there you're asking for. <laughs> that's a really, really niche area, but it'd be fantastic. So what they do is they say, look, 
put the billable piece to a side if they're customer facing or even if they're not super customer facing but they can have that communication that back and forth they're not sort of at home in a back room and hidden from society type thing you know we, we can work with that we can train the rest of that in there right. so that's a sort of just a real small example of how you can get the most out of people and they hire quickly relatively quickly anyway because drawing on what you said they know what they want and right. they know where their parameters are yeah and, and that makes the clarity makes all the difference in the world like knowing what you're okay with mm-hmm. and what you're not makes it easier to say you know this is the right this person fits fits my requirements or they don't and okay move on it's not a personal thing it's just this is what we're looking for and i have clarity around that i'm not trying to find this unicorn i've been i'm really clear on what we need and what we can make work um and and that's that makes it that much easier for everyone right it's just like hey you're great but this isn't the right role for you exactly the last thing you want to do is bring somebody in and you and you're at that sort of ninth hour we need someone in the chair immediately oh we'll just take steve or or sally whoever you know the lesser Uh, and then Yeah, exactly. Then they start, and three months in, you go, this isn't really working, is it? Then we start all over again, and everyone's annoyed. Yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. So what, what do you see, what are you excited about coming up in the next five to ten years? What's something that you're excited about you see coming up, and maybe something you're, you're worried about or concerned about that could be coming up over the next five to ten years? Wow. Uh, excited. Uh, definitely excited to see where the OT security space goes. I think, like I said, it's been this sort of 18 months ago, two years ago, it was sort of, oh, this is sort of growing. I wonder where this is going to go. And then the last six or so, it's like, it's all I see. Whether that's the algorithms pick me up and it's just firing me <laughs> all these relevant stories and people and news, I don't know. Um, but yeah, really excited to see where that goes. I'm excited for, for teams to hire out there, excited for the, um, like I said earlier, you know, the, the civil engineering firms are getting you know the action now and that creates more of an industry overall, hopefully brings more people in, raises more awareness, so that's cool. Um, not excited about, I think... It's sort of a double-edged sword of, I think we, we haven't really spoken about the buzzword of, of AI and ML just yet, but uh, I, I always think what a cool bit of technology. Yeah. This is fantastic for what we want it for. We use it here a little bit as well. The imagery stuff is really cool, but it's just that bit, oh no, that means the bad guys have got this too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not too sure how I feel about that uh, with all the, the geopolitical stuff coming on at the moment as well. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Yeah. Absolutely. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, same thing. It's 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 exciting to see. I mean, you leading the conversation with you know you've got more and more folks that are reaching out wanting those OT roles. That that's that it's exactly what I I want to see. And and one of the reasons again I have this podcast is to get that visibility out. So you know boards and and folks understand that business risk and why why there's value in this. It's not just fud, right? It's not just fear. Yeah. I'm doing this because it's going to help my business. It's going to be make my business more profitable by having the people that are in there because you know they don't have outages, they don't have cyber incidents they don't have misconfigurations they're they're looking down they're not having to undo things they've done over the last two or three years because they just did it wrong um so now they're having to go undo work they did because they didn't have the right people or understanding and when they did it the first time right um why do it right when you can do it twice uh, is not a good motto to have <laughs> but you know on the, on the on the back side is, is you know the fear or the the uncertainty is you know, there's there's so much. You know, the economy is is bad. Um, with people are are spending less. Um, they're being more intentional about the money that they spend, which is not a bad thing in general. But sometimes one of the first things to go is things that they weren't doing in the first place. So they maybe they were thinking about OT, or maybe they were they were starting to budget in OT, or they were starting to fund some projects in that. That's usually the first things that drop. 
Um, unfortunately, that scares me because if they're if they were maybe dipping their toe or or maybe they were you know putting some budget in there and they start pulling back from those places, that's when bad things can happen. It's like you know, uh, go back to the oil change analogy. I, I was changing my oil every three thousand miles. Now I'm going to push it to five or ten thousand miles. Um, you know, just because I, I don't, I'm not going to spend as much money. I'm going to try to push it, you know, push it closer to that, that limit, uh, to try to get it as far. The problem is, is c- catastrophic things can happen when you do that. So, um, I, we're in a place now globally where there's all sorts of geopolitical things going on and economies are in a weird place and, uh, inflation and, and a lot of big four firms are, are lay, a lot of People in general are laying people off left and right, and it's it's a it's a it's a volatile environment right now. Um, and and like I said, this is an area that you don't want to just ignore um, and hope that everything will be fine. And at the end of this, when when the storm clears, you don't want to. If you have to spend a dollar, you don't want to pull it from from OT, which is like we said in the beginning. It's it's where you should be focusing your money, not where you shouldn't. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's an odd place the world at the moment, I think. But hopefully things level out uh, level out quickly and we're uh, we're all okay absolutely all right anything uh you guys have coming up or people how do they reach out get a hold of you where y'all gonna be what you said you guys have a podcast as well so make sure that everybody knows that as well so we do we do yes we've got a podcast uh, are we able to chop a link in below absolutely here yeah, somewhere? Be in show notes. absolutely yeah yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do that um i'm on linkedin james morris work for a company called ndk cyber um james at ndkcyber.com if you wanted to reach out directly always happy to help and uh yeah never uh never turn down an opportunity to do a bit of networking so uh absolutely yeah it was uh this is really this was really fun absolutely thank you james i appreciate it it was a great conversation everybody reach out to james if you're looking to be get into ot even if you're not looking necessarily for a job i'm sure that he can help you on some hey what what are things i can do if i want to get better or you know long term looking at you know moving or transitioning or or growing in, in your career it's always good to have recruiters that you're working with they can they have a lot of knowledge in what what companies are looking for what skill sets are are, are trending um and and you know how to how to organize your resume and and how to have conversations and interview like there's just so much value in, in having those and like i said before all business is a people business so having connections is always a good thing it's never it's i've never been sad because i knew i knew somebody and i had a, some kind of relationship with that person <laughs> That's awesome to hear. I might steal that for our marketing material if that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, James. Uh, have a good evening and uh, a happy holiday, sir. And you too. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. Now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Protect It All, where we explore the crossroads of IT and OT cybersecurity. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to stay ahead in this ever-evolving field. Until next time.